Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, what does it mean to be a modern warrior? First off, the elephant in the room. Warrior isn't a dirty word. A warrior is mindful. They seek excellence and have learnt to control their aggression. It's about understanding leadership, developing individual resilience, and seeking consistent human optimization. Remember, lifting heavy isn't dangerous. Being weak is dangerous. Fortune favors the brave, and you're never given more than you can handle. This, then, is the Warrior You podcast. All call signs. Ready, ready, ready. Let's roll! G'day, Trent. G'day, Bram. How are you? Good. We're going to do Ronald Reagan. Looking forward to it. Leadership in hindsight. Oh, I just did that. What do you think of that? It's great. Leadership in hindsight. See? It's It's our parent company, Hindsight Leadership and Resilience, sponsoring us to do this, as well as Aussie Strength, of course. Can't let Aussie Strength be forgotten. So, anyway, Ronald Reagan, born February 6th, 1911. In Tampico, Illinois. Am I saying that correctly? I'm not sure on that one. I'm not going to back myself. Not like when I decided that it was your prez, which is actually... Eep. Eep. Anyway, hey, thanks for the one-star review, um, Karen from London, who has a PhD probably in history. Sorry that a couple of guys were reading a script and I can't pronounce Eep. But um, I do appreciate the fact that you provided us some feedback in such a brutal manner rather than reaching out. That was very nice of you and just shows what's wrong with the world. Anyway, good leadership on your behalf. So, born February 6, 1911 in Tepico, Illinois, Ronald Reagan, he had devoutly evangelical parents, um, which was the style of the time, I think. The, yeah, a lot of the leaders around that time who were, mm. you know, deeply religious. Yeah, they were travelling salespeople. And they were deeply involved in their congregation. And so they instilled strong religious values. And you would say strong values into the young Reagan, which would come out in future years. He was very, very set in his ways. He cited his humble birth and strong religious values as roots of his conservatism, which makes sense. I mean, I can think of some leaders today that are quite similar to that. I mean, Scott Morrison, for instance. For sure. John Howard. John Howard. Who else? All I've got off the top of my head. Mm. And sort of individualism, hard work, making your own luck, all those sort of values around that conservative ideology once he became the president. He attended, oh, what high school did he attend? Dixon. Dixon High School. Yeah. And then Eureka College for his tertiary education. It was a bit of a jock, actually, when you when you read up and start doing some you know, investigation into him. He excelled at sports. He loved a good debate. 
Um, he was into campus politics mm. and theatre and acting and graduated in 1932. He obviously had a penchant for um, acting because between 37 and 42, he worked in Hollywood starring in low-budget films. So there was obviously this progression from being a young man at, at, uh, at high school and then college moving into acting. He was actually – he had bad eyesight. So he was initially assigned to the Army's PR wing – helped to make films and tapes to motivate people to enlist, um, buy war bonds and support rationing measures. And I would assume that at that time the people that he had as mentors probably started to instill in him this understanding around uh, communism as well, even yeah. early on then. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, being in PR too, you did, there's this type of psychology that goes behind that stuff. Well, interestingly, communism at the time, uh, well, the USSR was in fact – uh, an ally of the allies. Mm, it was. Mm. But even then, they were all looking were, at it with suspicion. For sure. I mean, you look back to Churchill. You know, he didn't want to be an ally. No, he didn't. Um, yeah, and so after the war, he continued working in Hollywood and in 1947 was made president of the Screen Actors Guild. They've had a lot of strikes over the years, haven't they? Yeah, for sure. Conversely. And one of his main roles was in blacklisting suspected communists. And you know, he would go on then, because of his acting career, he would give motivational talks. Companies like General Electric in their factories through the 50s and 60s, just getting people to, um, you know, because you remember we've, we've talked about this before, that period of time, there was a lot of unemployment, there was the fuel problems. You can see why he would have been paid to give motivational talks. Mm. Um, and then that raised his profile and demonstrated his skills um, his oratory skills and, and being able to connect with people, it really was a foundation for his future political career. He's such a great speaker. If, yeah. you, if you listen to some of his speeches online or on YouTube or, or whatever, yeah. you, can, you, can actually, you can actually feel uh, the great work that he does and the rehearsal, the effort into the mm. speech writing. And sure, he had speech writers as well, but a lot of that it was his own work. Ladies and gentlemen, we take pride in presenting a thoughtful address by Ronald Reagan. Mr. Reagan. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Yeah, and there's something about being able to deliver a speech and there's been some great leaders. And we, we've talked about communication in leadership and how important it is. And there's no point being a great leader if you can't communicate your intent. So, can, so in your opinion, can you be a great leader without having that ability to communicate and be the great orator? Only if you've got someone that's doing it on your behalf. Mm. If you're covering a gap with someone else who is good, but even then you're not going to be great. Um, Leadership is getting other people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. You can't sure. do it if you can't communicate. Yeah. yeah. You can be a good leader maybe, but not a great one. Agreed. So in the 1960s, he grew increasingly political with his pro-business, anti-communist, small government speeches in support of Republican candidates. Guess who? Nixon. Yep. Um, and Eisenhower, and in 67 became the governor of California and would serve there until 1975. Who else was an actor that was the governor of California off the top of your head? It would be Schwarzenegger. Hold your bark. 
Yeah, and so while he was the governor, you know, he would implement measures to balance the budget, roll back welfare measures, believe it or not, restore order due to ongoing anti-Vietnam and anti-racism protests and riots. Jesus sounds familiar. Yeah, absolutely. Grew his popularity through and with the conservatives, made him really popular actually. Um, and then you don't even know this. How old do you think he was in 1980 when he would run for president? Have a guess. Be just shy of 70? Yeah. 69? Yep. 68? Six, nailed it. 69. Um, and, he, and he'd run on a platform of conservative values, anti-communism, economic freedom, conservative values and limited government. I mean, must have been a lot of conservative values. Very conservative. Because I've it? said that like 10 yeah, times. Yeah, very conservative. So all these popular measures and his enigmatic and confident personality would defeat incumbent President Jimmy Carter, who Reagan would depict as weak and kowtowing to communism. Yeah, well, we've spoken we've spoken about Jimmy before. And, yeah. And even from our observations of him and his work, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have taken much. I don't think. No. It was it wasn't going to even take someone like Ronald Reagan, who no. who was a great orator and could transfer energy to to a nation. Mm. But he had that as well, so he was always going to be a walk-in. Yeah, he was on the outer, wasn't he? Um, and as we said, his best things were yet to come, mm. Carter, not not in the presidency. Yep. So maybe, maybe Donald Trump's best is yet to come. Ooh. I'm just saying, because it Carter's be, came be, years you know, later. Carter. Anyway, so inspiration, motivation score, 10 out of 10 I gave him, because you know I'm an easy marker. You are. Um, look, he used a lot of different techniques and modes of inspiration to inspire Americans um, and his conservative vision. Um, his humble background, his religion, honest, hardworking. I mean, the fact that he was a veteran, you know, that stood mm. in good stead as well. He's a movie star, dashing good looks. Even in his, if you look at him, even in his seventies, he was still a good-looking rooster. Yep. Yeah, and this all allowed him to inspire Americans as he was perceived as, you know, one of them, someone who came from, and and this is the thing though, he didn't didn't really come from like a really poor family. No. Not like Carter. Not like Carter, that's right. Mm, yep. Yeah. But he did present as rags to riches sort of career. Um, he was very charismatic and dedicated. He was really confident. And as you said, he, was, he left no stone unturned when it came to mm. giving a, uh, a speech. So because of that, he was seen as strong and effective. Mm. Yeah, he's a great communicator. He remains one of the most popular presidents in American history uh, because of his optimism for the country. Um, he was the first... Uh, president of the United States to have been divorced as well, so he does have that human connection. But I wonder if oh, I wonder if his rags, uh, rags to riches story mm. might have been yeah. a political uh, political move yeah. to counter uh, Carter, who really was a rags to riches story. And, yeah. um, and I'm just wondering if there's part of that. But if I don't know, listen to his "We Must Fight" speech. Mm. Um, it's fantastic. It's yeah. a fantastic speech. Mm. And mm. I think as a young, so you know, we're almost in our fifties, I guess. As a young guy, Clint Eastwood and Ronald Reagan, mm. that's what America was to us. Yeah. You know, we, we all knew of... For sure. I mean, I remember Reagan, stories of Reagan after his presidency for years. Yeah. And the Star Wars program and all of those sorts of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, politically. Well, he was... Would you call him right wing? It was He was protectionist? He's conservative. I think mm. right wing's got a bad... Mm. Like, when we talk about left and right wing, that's that polarising political view of leaders now that we, and we seem to have. Mm. And it is different in Australia as well. Mm. Um, but I think, I think you know, he was 
um, devoutly conservative. Devoutly, that's a good way to put it. Devoutly conservative. Yeah, and he wanted to expand American power, restore American confidence um, and inspire people. His conservative vision to economically restore the power. Mm. We've gone through uh, Gerald Ford and Carter and and really uh, their economy had taken a beating um, up to that point. So, you know, he was focused on that. Yeah, and it, and it helped to revive American conservatism at a time when, well, the Republican Party was divided between moderate and right-wing factions, mm. and he united those Republicans be- behind his right-wing leadership. Yeah, I think that Reagan's rhetoric and public presence really inspired Americans of the sort of the righteousness and positives of that conservative ideology, and his political personality was more popular than any progressive alternatives. So it sort of further inspired people to uh, rally behind his leadership, and not just in America, but um, you know, globally, really. Yeah, and and being that staunch anti-communist at the time as well, when we're talking about Khrushchev and mm. and all of those, you know, the strong Cold War uh, issues that they were dealing with at the time, and and this was a feature throughout his public career, and he made it well known on the campaign trail, and he continued that in office. And, and what I love about this story, and we're going to get to it soon, is, you know, staunch anti-communist, but probably stopped us from having World War Three with the communists. Well, anyway, we'll the, get to that. The mm. We Must Fight speech is yeah. where he tells people, you know, stop backing down, stop being an apologist, mm. because that is the road to war. Mm. And it's such a great speech. Yeah, okay, so some of the pros of his, of his leadership, able to use many methods to inspire people, um, consistent sources of inspiration, consistent popularity and motivation. He took advantages of the circumstances of, you know, a, a mag- American malaise mm. to capitalise on his inspiring vision. His inspiration directly served his goals and people not only inspired by his personal leadership but inspired of his conservative ideology, personal popularity. His inspiration did diminish the inspiration of his political opponents. Yeah, Some of the cons... He probably overly relied on political vision at times to inspire people. Therefore, he he alienated those who didn't entirely subscribe to his vision. So he could have probably even had more followers if he, you know, if he'd taken a little bit of a softer approach, I guess. And not much, not much choice. But he did, but he did do the work behind that vision as well. Mm. So he was very energetic. Yeah. So he did have that strong political vision, and then Mm. went on to you know to put the effort in behind. Yeah. Our, our researcher, Finn, you can clearly see how much he loves that sort of right of centre of politics, can't you? <laughs> he was one of the most inspirational leaders of modern America, Finn's written here. Mm. Yeah. Well, don't, don't disagree with that. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever Googled, um, you know, best presidents of the United States? Or like not? Is ev- he there? Every, oh, he's absolutely there. Mm. But every list that you see, it depends on... Uh, who was um, who was polled? So mm. it depends on who put out the, mm. the you know who the readership is, and all of the lists vary. There's there's no agreement amongst yeah. them. But Ronald Reagan is always up there. To the victors go the spoils of war. Mm, yeah, indeed. Exactly. Okay, so providing purpose and direction. So I gave him seven out of ten. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. Good with that. So economy. Reagan looked to take a supply side ultra capitalist free market approach to the economy. Um, Reaganomics. Reaganomics. Mm. Spur economic growth, employment and income. So Reaganomics, 
slashed taxes, deregulated companies, returned to the gold standard and lowered the minimum wage in order to spur economic growth. Um, a few lessons there, just quietly. It's, uh, Leaders listening. <laughs> and it was extremely successful. I mean, he entered office. Where, where's my data? Let me grab this. Hang on a sec. Yeah, okay. So let me find my notes. Reagan entered office with inflation at 12.5% and unemployment at 7.5%. And GDP growth at 3.4%. Wow. Mm. And in 1981 and 1986, slashed taxes and deregulated industries, which massively expanded economic growth to annual average of 7.9% through the 80s, with unemployment declining to 7.5% with 16 million jobs created under Ronald Reagan, inflation down to 4.4%. Doesn't look like much, does it? Yeah, but that's significant when you're talking about the number of people. Like that's yeah. a, they're substantial changes considering that it had been getting worse under Ford and Carter for mm. the previous, I guess, decade. So you've now got more people in the job market and the unemployment rate dropping. And GDP having gone up, you know, nearly 50%. Mm, wow. So, so massive economic growth. Yeah. You know, he also sold off a large number of state, uh, state mm. infrastructure as well. So, you know, that typical conservative... Um, you know, conservative approach to to management of finances. Mm. Yeah, so I, I guess uh, many say the greatest economic achievement of Reagan's presidency was the that conquest of the inflation, which was running at about you know that thirteen percent a year in nineteen eighty, but largely achieved through the Federal Reserve pursuing that monetarist strategy that restored price stability and the cost of. At, you know, at cost of the deepest recession since the 1930s. Mm. We forget that he he grew up during that, that period. You know, his tax record was a complex one and it f- featured the largest tax cuts in American history in 1981 for both individuals and businesses, the largest ever peacetime uh, tax increase in 1982. Wow. And, you know, this is so, – if you think so, about this, this is happening at the same time as – your parents, my parents, anyone whose parents in Australia are sort of our parents' age, mm. they're paying 25, 27% for their, for their loans, yeah. for their house loans. So yeah. they're actually not, so they're in the, economic strife in Australia. Yeah, and, and I, re, I remember it. I mm. remember the, the pressure that it was putting on the banking sector here, mm. here in Australia as a result of these sorts of decisions. You know, numerous mm. business tax loopholes were closed to reduce the burgeoning. Budget deficit. Yeah. So he was, you know, tax cuts and then tax increases. It was a difficult balancing act at the mm. time. Um, it was the most significant tax reform in US history in 86, which paid for personal tax cuts with higher corporate taxes, wow. which is, you would think, is probably not the conservative way. But neither Reagan nor his later conservative supported, uh, supporters admitted his deviations from the low tax philosophy which became embedded as part of his conservative legacy mm. and a sacrosanct element of america's conservative political beliefs you know that's that sort of it didn't make sense at the time but it's probably far more complex given what he was dealing with you know following carter he created wealth he started creating wealth yeah for sure. again yeah right and even in the early 80s and the and the 87 stock market crash reagan was able to successfully pursue those economic policies and mm. consistently achieve economic growth. So, yeah, massive impact on the on the economy of the nation. It wasn't just about the economy, though. Yeah, no. I, mean, I, I would say he did more with the economy than probably he probably thought he was doing all this conservative stuff. But, mm. but history would show that some of the some of the conservative things that he did in his tenure actually the second, third order effects of them were 
profound and in the opposite direction than what he wanted. Like, um, look, he was he was obviously pro life, anti immigration, anti drug. Um, well, the war on drugs, right? Started around there. Yep, he successfully pursued that war in response to increases in illegal drug trafficking mm. and increasing rates of drug use. So he increased anti drug police and. He made a lot of those misdemeanors, I guess we would look at them as criminal offences. You know, so, so now you had a lot, of, a lot of people who are now getting criminal records from you know, minor drug infractions. Yeah. Um, and there was significant criticism of these measures as being overly expensive, entrenching racial profiling. Well, it's still, it's still an issue today and a lot of, well, a lot of what's started. been discussed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it started around then and, and you know... that. The criminal system in the US is different from the Australian system, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then you started having black overrepresentation in prison. And so it was just an ineffective way of, you know, you're combating the drugs, but actually you're combating that whole society. Yeah. This is really interesting, mate. Even though he was conservative, so he, he increased AIDS funding from the hundreds of thousands of dollars in the early 1980s to $2.3 billion in 1989 to help manage the AIDS crisis. And so this saw him perceived as effective, sympathetic and appealing and popular to the majority of Americans. But if you think about it, he was, well, he was homophobic. Well, he was able to entrench the opposition to LGB um, you know, rights campaigners in American society. Is that right? And so he successfully limited... Um, LGBT rights across and their objectives. That's particularly interesting considering, you know, I remember it to be, you know, popularly considered as a, uh, as a gay man's um, disease. Right. You know, so it wasn't until later on, you know, with the research that it was, you know, it was realised that it was, you know, it broadly affected everybody. Yeah, and so I guess when you think about it, he was obviously getting advice from somewhere around this, this, this AIDS, you know, epidemic. Mm. pandemic i don't know and so so he was able to tackle that with huge amount of funding even though he believed the start of it was probably from from something that didn't sit with his conservative values that's really interesting and he was able to strengthen the religious uh, american sort of that um, that religious american slither of society sure. entrenched those religious values in american conservatism and it's, and it's still as strong today as what it ever was if you look at the recent um, turnout, you know, religious turnout in particular to Trump's pr- uh, presidency campaign. But he intru- he failed to introduce school prayers and limit abortion measures in the US. So, yeah, so that fight's been going on for a long time. Interesting. Internationally, what do you think? Well, you know, it was his anti-communist stance. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it was the defeat of communism, yeah. essentially. Yeah, he wanted to increase American confidence and power internationally. And he wanted to challenge his enemy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, his anti-communist invasion of Grenada in mm. 1983 and the bombing of Libya in 1986. So he, he was 
not afraid to pull the trigger on on the communist threat. Yeah, um, yeah, you fought back. That's for sure. Yeah, and then you've got the Reagan doctrine to undermine global communism, and and this was effective at raising his popularity at home. And he was perceived as patriotic, tough on communism, and a strong and charismatic leader. And there was huge expansion of military deployments and expenditure. Yeah, forty percent. There was forty percent increase of the military budget at the yeah. t- during his term, and I think that's. I think that's a testament to, to you know how much effort he was putting in. He had to back it with he had to back his um, Reagan doctrine with muscle. Yeah, and that really created that arms race initially sure. with the USSR. You know, in order to bankrupt the Soviet Union, that's what that was all about. Was about bankrupting them. We've got more missiles than you. It costs money. If you if you want to keep up, we're gonna we, we're yeah. gonna put you down. Wow, we're gonna create weapons so that you have no money left. Yeah, insane. Well, better than war. Yeah, unless it ends up in war but anyway True. i think as um einstein said you know third world war will be will be fought with nuclear missiles and the fourth world war will be sticks and sticks stones. and stones and that was very close you know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are probably a decade or or two even younger than us and they don't remember what it was like growing up with the specter of the cold war tear down that still wall. still there yeah. you know and people People still talking about it in the in the home around you know all out nuclear war. Like we studied that in high school, mm. what what it would be like living in a post nuclear society. It was a lot of a lot of academic and creative thought in the sixties and seventies went into and eighties yeah. went into um, post apocalyptic war. Yeah, <laughs> and and in the US at the time they were they were conducting school drills. You know from the uh, you know from what I understand the sixties onwards. Yeah, you know around. You know, what to do in the event of a nuclear missile launch. Yeah. And they reasserted American leadership over NATO and the West mm. in challenging communism and protecting American values. There was expansion of American cruise missiles in Western Europe. You know, this is in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Just Reagan, he would merit his historical remembrance as one of the trio of presidential emancipators alongside Abraham Lincoln and Franklin Roosevelt for having helped to free Eastern Europe from the Soviet Empire. His role as a liberator had very clear limits. You want to talk to that? Yeah, well, when, you know, freedom was struggling for birth against the oppression of... The evil. Oh, yeah, the evil communism mm. of authorita- authoritarian regimes in Latin America, Africa, mm. Asia. You know, Reagan preferred to support governments with awful human rights records for fear the democracy movements in these regions would fall prey to a Marxist takeover. Wow. So, so he was he was able to... I guess rationalise the fact that sure the the governments um, might not be might not have the perfect record, but it was better than communism. Yeah, and then you've got things like McDonald's and Coca Cola and Hungry Jacks and all these sort of things moving into these countries that that, that surrounded you know the USSR, and slowly they would they would witness yep. Western capitalism and, and democracy, and it would and it, and it was. It was breaking up. It was it was part of the strategy. In all of this, he needed a willing Soviet collaborator, though. So Mikhail Gorbachev, who wanted to end the confrontation in order to focus on his internal reforms. Mm. And I remember uh, Gorbachev um, at the time, and he wasn't... I don't think he was considered... I think if we went and researched him, I don't think he would be considered very popular at the time because there was a that national pride that he was giving up. But... It, you know, accordingly, one element of Reagan's foreign policy legacy was to demonstrate that individual leaders who trusted each other could resolve long-standing confrontations between states. His shift from first-term hawk, you know, considered a hawk, to second-term negotiator, 
uh, horrified many conservatives. And as I've just said, you know, Gorbachev wasn't, you know, soundly supported either. So you had these leaders who were losing popularity in order to achieve peace. They tried to block the Senate ratification of the US-Soviet Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty of 1987. Yeah. You know, because at that point in time... We weren't seeing the support for Reagan's drive to to generate peace. Who knows what else was going on behind the scenes In there, Trent? Like, I mean, are we talking? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna nuke you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, who knows what's yeah what was happening? Yeah, and and you know, Reagan really this is like Back to the Future aided yep. the Mujahideen yep. in Afghanistan to fight the Soviets and armed the Contras in Nicaragua to fight the communist government. Um, I mean, this had significant backlash during the uh, Iran-Contra affair. Yet Reagan's international objectives, they were still achieved. He still achieved what he set out to do, even though there was backlash. Well, famously, you know, who did, or infamously, uh, who did Reagan support, you know, in Afghanistan? You know, he was, he was a financial supporter of the Mujahideen. So, yeah, well, so, so there's, there's, going to be, there's going to be some links of some description there, right? The, the Mujahideen were the fighters of the Soviets and they weren't necessarily happy. It was a whole other podcast on this. They weren't necessarily happy around the Taliban, um, you know, taking over Afghanistan the way they did. And certainly um, the Taliban were, were, were more than happy initially to have al-Qaeda come into, mm. come into that uh, vacuum. But that's a whole other podcast, I think. Um, yeah, and then, you know, there's so... I mean, I'm just looking through the notes we've got here. There's so much stuff that he was involved in. You know, free trade grant with Israel, expanded free trade with Canada, promoted globalism and American international influence. You know, so he broke down those protectionist boundaries, but in the interests of American yeah, protectionism. Pro- <laughs> and projecting power both uh, financially and militarily. Yeah. Right. so his leadership style, 8 out of 10. Thoughts? I think, I think that's probably right, and... And I don't think he's got any one particular style. I, I mm. wouldn't subscribe to the fact that he's, you know, only collaborative or only a dictator or, mm. you know, that those types of styles. I think mm. he was probably far more adept at what we would now call agile leadership or something along those lines. Yeah, so changing it to... The, Participative. To the, yeah. Like, he could be all of that, but he was certainly a visionary mm. um, and someone who could compel people to, to, to do what he wanted them to do because they wanted to do it. There is this area around leadership, which I've heard talked about recently, which we're going to explore in a little bit more detail around the charismatic mm. leader and being able to walk in a room and fill it with your presence and then, and then have people, you know, you're winning a fan base. We've talked about this a fair bit, but um, he was, he was like that, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he was able to unite America. Um, he always spoke of its citizens as we, and mm. I think, you know, we spoke about Jimmy Carter and, you know, how he was, you know, upset at the American people for being mm. wasteful and those sorts of th- things. He was inspirational. Um, he challenged them to lift their sights and have a vision. He assured every American um, they were created with the rights to life and liberty. Mm. He would say, we are Americans. He said it with optimism and pride. I think mm. he was quite... Um, he was quite patriotic in that respect. Mm. Uh, he made Americans believe in America again, and that was something that they'd been missing. Yeah, no, fair call. And he was there to protect them, wasn't he? They all saw him as, because of his tough stance, really, mm. um, on what he would sell as evil, he rallied the free world. You know, he was working secretly with Pope John Paul II yeah. as well. 
Yep. And he believed in in either we win um, or they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We win, they lose. That's all. That's that's the only outcome we can accept. Yeah. Very, very interestingly pursuing peace through strength. Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. And he really didn't seek any praise, did he, for all this? I don't I don't think so. Yeah. Yep. When his work was, he gave all the credit to to God, you know, mm. given that that was his background, mm. and to the American people, and he, you know, he, you know, we are Americans, whom he loved more than anything else on earth, except for his wife Nancy. Mm. And I, I, I'm I'm not sure if you've uh, uh, know much about Nancy, but she was a strong mm. uh, strong person. Uh, mm. Fittingly, uh, Mother Teresa noted in this man greatness and simplicity are one, and I think that's. That's uh, that's an important part of a great leader is to be able to have the, those great visions and then make it simple for everyone. Yeah, I like it. Mm. Yeah, that durable optimism and he developed his role with FDR in mind. You know, um, Franklin. 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 Old Frankie. Mm. Was he, I don't know, he micromanaged the selection of his personnel and is quoted as saying, personnel is policy. Yeah, uh, he was a team builder and he, he then decentralised and delegated authority. So he... He was very much that leader who gave the, you know, the guardrails left and right, and mm. said, you know, I'm going to choose the right people on the team, and then give them their authority, then delegate that responsibility to them, and have them get on and do the job. Um, he compromised to advance his goals. You know, we've already spoken about that. Yeah, you know, he was able to say, well, you know, poor human rights record, not ideal, but better than communism. You know, mm. that's a good example. Yeah, he learnt when negotiating union contracts that you seldom got what you asked for, and like FDR, uh, he believed that he wouldn't always hit a home run. He just wanted the highest possible batting average. He just wanted to do get the best result he could. Again, it goes back to you know those decisions to t- support countries with poor human rights records in favour of you know communism. Mm. I love the fact that he weaponized humour. You know, yeah, completely disarming. Yep, and mm. it's in all of his speeches. There's always something in his speeches, yeah. and and you, you can't help but watch his speeches on YouTube and have a little giggle when he's, you know, sticking the knife in. Yeah, yeah, and he separated himself from the sort of minutia in the way that he he spent, what the equivalent, away from the White House at his ranch, living on his ranch and working from there and. Enabled him to experiment in various ways mm. to express his observations, just to sort of because he was a deeply reflective writer as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think it was about a year away from the White House. All up. Yeah, all up. O- over no, over eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so one of an entire year was spent away from the office. He was able to compartmentalize his time, and unlike Carter, who got into the minutia, mm. he was able to really grab hold of what was important, delegate the rest, and mm. it made him far more effective. It's good leadership. Yep. It was noted that, that he was able to work well with others in order to achieve his objectives. Mm. So quite collaborative, collaborative with Congress on his economic goals, collaborative with the church, obviously, collaborative with uh, other nations. Yeah, it certainly doesn't yeah. fit with that dictatorial um, mm. you know, uh, type of leadership style. I think he was able, as I said before, he's able to flip between both. Yeah, and he and he wasn't just there to to be the president for four years and and just basically make massive reform for the sake of it. Was mm. he? He was actually doing. He was on a mission. Yeah, he he was. Mm. Um, you know, he wasn't interested in the smash and grab assault on the entitlement state that be, uh, benefited the middle class. He reached agreement with the Democrats uh, to guarantee long term solvency of the social security pension program and didn't threaten the healthcare programs, which are, you know, the 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 gold piece for for the Democrats. 
Um, and to the dismay of some moral conservatives, especially the, the Christian right, he was unwilling to invest political capital in promoting constitutional amendments to outlaw abortion and permit school prayer. So, wow. you know, that his, his own personal base, he realised he had to give some of that up mm. in order to be more successful. Yeah. No, and, you know, you've got to say that his collaboration with Gorbachev, Perestroika, yep. you know, and Glasnost, um, this helped ease any animosity and create the transition period towards the peaceful, peaceful end of the Cold War, mm. probably achieving his greatest goal, and, and that for humanity, really. Those, well, I mean, it's set about a change in the world where we, we moved away from total annihilation and destruction. Um, what, well, that, what was that? That was... 85 and 86, yeah, I think 87, so. those a, three. A, yeah. Around then, like, I can't remember the exact date. But, you know, he, he generated, as I sort of touched on, he's, he's generated his own, um, you know, animosity with his own political base. He's, Even now, do you he, think? The right? Uh, I think they would have loved an all-out war, wouldn't the, they? Old, well, the ultra-conservative right, you know, his unwillingness to compromise in the face of reality and, mm. and in favour of negotiating with Soviet Union. Yeah, such an interesting leader, really. Mm. Um, his enduring legacy, 9 out of 10. I mean, he's really, is it, maybe it's 10 out of 10, I don't know. Well, you know what? We're um, not dead. Yeah, and there was no Third World War. Yeah, I mean, history remembers Reagan as a highly effective leader. He was able to inspire people of his goals. He successfully achieved most of them. Mm. Um, economic goals, rejuvenated America, economic expansion, contributed to his massive popularity at the time. Without that popularity, he probably wouldn't have been able to rally the support against the Soviets, to be fair. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, his conservative values, his opposition to abortion, but then he would say he would be opposed to it, but the money didn't follow that. Yeah, then what, he's... What do they say about priorities? Well, show me your schedule and I'll show you your priorities. So he was saying one thing, but he was really, mm. you know, doing another. Immigration and drugs, again, he was yep. he was massively opposed to that. And... Perhaps that was that was a, a weakness was the huge pushback that he had against um, what were you know social drugs and the fact the second order effect of that he couldn't witness and it became the incarceration of a lot of people who really weren't criminal. Uh, yeah, so I think I think we've got to put ourselves back in that mm. in that time mm. that timeline as well. So remember, the early eighties was mm. the advent of crack. Mm. You know, we were turning cocaine into mm. crack, mm. and you know, instantly. Well, you were. I wasn't. Oh, yeah, well, you know, whatever. I was probably only seven. Yeah. But you know, at, at that point in time, mm. you, you had crack taking over entire neighbourhoods and cities, and you, you would have to feel the sense of urgency that Ronald Reagan and his administration would be going through, and it would be natural mm. to start. It would be a natural reaction to start the uh, process of war on drugs. Mm. Yeah, because it was seen as it was traumatic to communities. Maybe it just didn't get executed well. You know, he left office with a sixty-eight percent approval rating, which was the highest of anyone since FDR, since Franklin. Yeah, and and Franklin Roosevelt. And at one point, all right, how it ended for them? I mean, quite nicely, actually. Nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I um, think so. He won the eighty-four presidential election with the second most electoral votes in history. I'm not sure if that's accurate now. Um, in his second term, he would continue to implement conservative policies mm. in his in a strong response in implementing his war on drugs. It was immensely popular amongst the American people. Well, well a section of the as American long as you people, weren't, right? As long as you weren't, you know, 
poor or black or poor and black. Um, then there was a bombing in Libya in response to their terror sponsorship, yep. which again, and uh, anti-communist measures in Afghanistan and Central America. Yeah, strong anti-communist measures through the whole period. Um, his strategy of bankrupting the USSR. Well, they got the win, you know, the tearing down the wall. Yeah. Uh, all of that was seen as tangible, you know, a tangible outcome to his policies. Yeah, and his second term was probably less successful than his first term due to the political controversies of the Iran-Contra deal. For sure. Um, where America broke that international law to arm anti-communist rebels in Nicaragua. And the Bitburg controversy where Reagan was accused of honouring Nazi soldiers, that, mm. that really harmed his popularity. These um, controversies were brief and did not, they didn't have a lasting impact on his success or his popularity or, or I, even after his presidency. I'm sure, I'm sure that there was you know, the equivalent of the cancel culture around at the time that was mm. trying to, you know, take the edge off his successes. But um, would, he have been, know, would he have been popular today? Oh, probably less so. Yeah. You know, with social, the advent of social media and, you know, the, the cancel culture. Polarised uh, political. Polarised political, you know. Environment. Environment mm. that we're in now, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he... He needed some democratic support to attain his objectives because mm. the opposition party retained control of the House of Representatives throughout his presidency. Yeah, so which is similar to yeah. what's going on now. Well, yeah. what did happen? Yeah, yeah, he's a negotiator, an active horse trader. So you know, mm. I want this, I'll give you this. Yeah, um, and this this proved true in him winning his second term in a landslide against the Democrat candidate, which I think is interesting. Who was that? Oh God, <laughs> on the spot. No, I can't remember. Yeah, okay. Um, or research that and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, in essence, his legacy was to make some conservative ideas, notably, you know, on low taxes, more appealing to voters without turning America into conservative or indeed a Republican, a Republican nation. So yeah. he was able to swing the country a little more conservatively. Yeah, so overall, 43 out of 50. And, I mean, really, if you it's think about num- it. It's a big number when you, when you think about it. Yeah, and really, probably should be just fifty out of fifty because we didn't have a cold war. We didn't have a, a world war. It's interesting. Nuclear war. Yeah, he was. He was inspirational. He was motivational. Mm. He was really charismatic, confident personality, very persuasive. He was the epitome of the strong man, nineteen sixties, seventies leader, and the opposite to Jimmy Carter. Right. Yeah, I think you're correct. He he would. Fail miserably now with his with his staunch views and his his ability not to be able to move with the times. Would he fail miserably? I just I'm wondering I'm wondering if he would it would just empower him to go even harder. I don't know. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because do you know who he reminds me of? Who? Corey Bernardi. Ooh, yeah. If you think about yeah, it, yeah, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's certainly sort some, of certainly some similarities there. It's not radical, but no. but. Is right enough now to be seen as as you know further right than we're used to. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, shout out to Corey Bernardi. I think he's got his own show now on Sky, right? Which I'll be on again in a couple of weeks. There you go. Um, look out for that. Yeah. Anyway, I think yeah. Look, he was collaborative. He had a, li- a little bit of a dictatorial style and some things. To him, yeah. Yeah. But it went well for him. Yeah. I, I think overall. Yeah, and you would say that he gave a good account for himself against his hero. Yeah, FDR. Mm. Some scholars, politicians, commentators have mm. uh, increasingly tried to take the edge off his successes and and say that you know Reagan led them away from 
uh, FDR's mm. sort of um, uh, beliefs, mm. uh, as well as widening the gap between the lower and middle class. And I think part of that is around around the war on drugs, but also you know he was homophobic and you know to some ex- some some extent. And and the left would portray him as overly patriarchal as well, you know, and that's not necessarily going to fly in today's day and age. Yeah, it's important to remember he saved the U.S. presidency from utter irrelevance. Hmm. Um, LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, uh, was driven from office by Vietnam. Richard Nixon resigned to avoid impeachment over Watergate. Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter were, you know, borderline irrelevant. And Reagan restored the presidency as the driving force of American politics and fulfilled popular yearning for strong leadership. People, people in fact, want to be led. Yeah, so a few, um, I guess, lessons from Reagan's leadership. So effective inspiration and motivation can be key in enabling leaders to be successful and popular in achieving their objectives. Personal character and charisma is a key source of inspiration and it can enhance the empathy and connection between a leader and, you know, a follower. Mm. So that that therefore increases cohesion and unification of the team behind. You're building a fan base. Um, he had fans. Yeah. Well, he did. Sometimes a leader's popularity and success and inspiration can be down to the circumstances. So his conservative vision was just great for, this, for the time, the turbulent time. And as Situational. Well, if, and if you think of it, it was also... If you think of FDR, he wouldn't have had the problem with homophobia and LGBT and those sort of things, and he probably wouldn't have handled it any better than Reagan anyway. Do you think there wasn't a problem back in the day? I mean, they, wouldn't they have didn't have as, rights. Wouldn't have, been, yeah. wouldn't have been popular to even talk about it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, during the 60s and 70s, it started to become things that they were talking about. And, and Difficult having, environment to and, operate in. And having that strong conservative religious background as well, interesting problems that he would have faced at the time. Yeah. As we've talked about, he was willing to compromise on some of the the outcomes that he personally believed in in order to do the most good. While this was all happening in America, in that period of time, Australia was talking about, even then, we're mm. talking about multiculturalism. Yep. The White Australia policy had stopped, which, by the way, if you, if you listen to some popular historians, is actually more about finance than racism, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, equality and you've got uh, Aboriginal vote. And, you know, this is all happening in a very progressive small nation of Australia, mm. which they weren't even aware of. Yeah. Um, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't beat ourselves up around, you know. And then this is all happening in the shadow of a Cold War as well. Really interesting time. I'd love to have been my age now back then just to understand it more deeply. I wonder if we would have. Don't know. Mm. Maybe not. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, look, that's it for Reagan. I think, you know, ticked another one of the leaders off. I think we will do another one next month, probably Margaret Thatcher. Sounds great. Yeah, but Reagan, good job. <laughs>